Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Thank you for joining us today. Um, It's the new year. I know, you know, that might still be coming as a surprise to some of you. Uh, But uh, one of the things I do in the new year is I try to kind of think about how I want the upcoming year uh, to look like, and I am even stranger than that. I think about how I want the next five years and 10 years and 20 years to go, and I'm a planner, and I'm a dreamer. Is anybody else like that? You've got four people who have dreams. That's good. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit more about having a dream. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. It's probably about 50, 50, about, you know, people who are like planners. And, and then the other 50, I don't understand because I'm not one of them. Uh, but they just seem to kind of go along and things sort of just happen to them. So I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, I think everybody probably thinks a little bit about how they would like for things to go. It's been a little bit frustrating for me in the last couple of years because I feel like there's a lot of uncertainties, like more uncertainties than normal in sort of the you know, general world out there. And so that's been a difficult thing for me. But I've tried to think, okay, well, what are the things that I can control? Uh, I can control sort of the habits that I have on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so uh, you know, those things are, are really important and habits well, they make a, a big difference in our lives, don't they? Maybe you've seen a picture of the Grand Canyon, or, or maybe you've been there, and would you say that's kind of an impressive thing? And, you know, it's, a lot of people would say it's a quite impressive thing. I mean, people come from all over the world just to look into this canyon. As a child, my parents brought me there after several speeches to my older brothers not to push, and uh, luckily, thank you, Mom, I was saved, but I was able to go to the edge and look over and return, and I, even as a child, was quite impressed. I mean, the Grand Canyon is massive. You know what created the Grand Canyon? This relatively tiny little river, the Colorado River, which is, you know, relative to the Grand Canyon, is really, really small. And you probably know enough about water and how topography gets formed and so on to already know kind of where I'm going. But how did the Colorado create the Grand Canyon? Just by this habit of persistence, right? Just, you know, same amount of water, not a lot, same amount of water over a long period of time, finding the path of least resistance creates the Grand Canyon. Pretty extraordinary. Well, what motivation do Christians have to, to strive, to focus, to dream, to think about how things could be and to pursue that? Uh, I'm going to read a passage from uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, and starting in verse 12. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I are, have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess 
that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. And so there is this impetus in Scripture to press on, to focus, to be diligent about our efforts to see what Christ has in mind for us come to fruition. Um, Maybe when you hear about New Year's resolutions, when you hear about, you know, starting fresh, we talked about being refreshed last week, when we hear about these things, maybe you think, about that thing that you've been doing for a long time, that habit that you have that you can't seem to break, that thing about you that seems to be ingrained. Maybe you think, I'm not going to try because I've tried before and, well, trying doesn't seem to work out too well in that particular area. I'm just going to leave that thing lie and I'm going to move on. Well, I'm going to share another passage of Scripture with you. Jeremiah chapter 50, starting in verse 33, uh, Jeremiah is encouraging the people of Israel because they are looking at having their nation destroyed, being taken into exile, into Babylon. They're looking at everything going wrong in their life. They're looking at a power that seems impossible to overcome. They've been seeing this happen for years, their nation, their lives be destroyed, and everything looks bleak and impossible. The enemy looks far too strong, and this is what Jeremiah says to them, rather the Lord says to them through Jeremiah, says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. That's supposed to mean something when God says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's reminding his audience, you and I, of his power. He's not just the the king of any old country. This is the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Israel and Judah have been wronged. Their captors hold them and refuse to let them go. So God sees injustice. But the one who redeems them is strong. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. He will defend them and give them rest again in Israel. But for the people of Babylon, there will be no rest. And after that, there is this prophecy that Babylon will be destroyed and no, nobody will ever inhabit it again, which is true to this day. One of the prophecies in the Old Testament that we look at and think, hmm, maybe there's something to this. The one who redeems them is strong. So... Let me have you ask a question of yourself. Do you really believe that God is able to break that stronghold in your life? The answer from Scripture is clear, yes. But do we really believe it? Because the enemy does a lot of work trying to convince us that God is either unable or is uncaring or is unconcerned or our problem is too small for him to deal with. And most often, we tend to believe the enemy because the enemy is easier to believe. 
I'm going to let that question reside with you. It's a question that I've had to ask myself about some things that I have been doing for years and years and years, and I've found, you know, like ways around them to continue to function reasonably well, but to leave these things undealt with. So I've had to ask myself that question. Do I really believe that the one who redeems is strong? Is stronger even than my strongest, most ingrained habits? What I'd like to do is to go through with you the way that I um, sort of approach the year and life. Uh, I have a note in my phone. I have an iPhone, so I, it has the note function. I assume Android does as well. Uh, but I, and, and on the iPhone, you can pin the note to the top. And so every time I open the notes or whatever, it's, it's very easy to find. It's right there. I can't look at any of my other notes without seeing that one. And so it is sort of like you know my life purpose, my dream, my goals. And so I'm kind of organized in that way. You don't have to go this that far, although I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but... Uh, I just kind of want to walk you through these things and hopefully challenge you in one of seven, at least one of seven different areas. These seven areas I got from a self-help book. Don't worry about that. Uh, we'll go through them. Uh, but uh, these, just these seven different areas. So let's just start with uh, sort of big picture, big idea, uh, general motivation. So 2 Peter chapter 1 Starting in verse 5, it says, In view of all this, talking about God's incredible mercy and grace, the whole story, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. That's what the Christian faith is about right there, right? We're not earning or responding. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. Are you getting the picture? Like strive for growth, grow, do something with the faith that you have, do something in response. Um, 1 Peter 4 and uh, verse 2, this is kind of like sort of my dream for my life, okay? So it's in the context of Peter encouraging the church to endure suffering, and so you know, he's challenging the church to be ready to suffer for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. He says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You'll be anxious to do the will of God. That's like on the edge of your seat. I'm ready. I'm, I'm willing. I'm wanting. This is what I'm waiting for. I'm, I'm wanting to jump into the will of God. So that's kind of the dream for my life. You don't have to adopt that one. You can read the Bible and find your own dream for your life. But that's my dream, that I would be anxious to do the will of God. Uh, in high school, I played football, and uh, one of the th- I, I played tight end, defensive end, and, and sometimes middle linebacker, but we would train, my position would train with the linebackers. And we, we did this drill called the pitter-patter drill which is so unmanly, such an unmanly name. Here you are playing football, and the coach says, all right, it's time for pitter-patter. Like, oh, that's demotivating right there. But, and it was also it was one of the worst drills. 
Anybody ever do the pitter-patter drill? All right, I'm gonna introduce it to you, okay? So, it starts by the coach saying pitter-patter. And you have to do this. I'm gonna stop, because I'm 44, and that's about all I got. But you would just start doing that, and then the coach would go over and get a coffee and have a chat with the other coaches, and there you were, pitter-pattering. And every once in a while, the coach would hold the football out this way, and that meant you had to pitter-patter in that direction. And that was supposed to keep you focused and engaged. Then he'd hold the football this direction, and you were hating the coach because all he was doing was just getting fatter up there holding this football. And you were thinking the worst things about your coach. But what it taught you was to be ready. Right? It taught you to be in a physical position, to be able to always be in a physical position so that you were able to respond to the defensive play, but to the grace that God has poured out on you and I. And that's my dream, is that I am just anxious. God, what do you want me to do? Anxious to do the will of God. And so all of these other patterns and habits, everything else I, I try to focus on is all towards that goal, that I would become anxious to do the will of God. So we're going to go through the seven areas. The first one is uh, spiritual life. And so, um, you know, I have multiple goals in this area of my spiritual life. My main, my top goal is to um, spend an hour each day just in the presence of God. I've got this verse in my note, Psalm 8410. It says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. And it's just a reminder to me about how valuable the being in the presence of God is. And so I set aside an hour every day to seek God. So I, I read the Bible during that time. I listen during that time, right? That's a massive part of prayer. Like, I don't know, 70% of prayer is just listening to God. Right? Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon's reminding us, remember God's in heaven and you're on earth, so let your words be few. Like, listen. And so I'm asking God to speak to me and I'm listening to God. And then I'm worshiping. I'm responding to God in worship. So uh, that's my main spiritual goal. I've got a number of other uh, spiritual goals in that area. I would encourage you to think about what habit in your life will lead you to the point so at the, at the end of the day in your spiritual life, your, your spiritual life looks like the Grand Canyon. It's incredible because you know God has called you to perfection. God has called you to holiness. And so what things are going to lead you there? What habits are you going to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are going to put you in a place to be perfected by God? By the way, uh, as a church, we're doing a Bible reading plan. Uh, if you get the email, you'll see a QR code. If you don't get the email, you can get on the website 
do the connect tab, and it's in there. You can join our Bible reading plan, so you, uh, you read a section of scripture, and then uh, you can comment or not, or you can read other, people, uh, other people's comments, and uh, it's a great way to uh, just be accountable. I think there's a way that you can see whether or not I've been reading my Bible in there, so you can keep me accountable as well. Um, it's a great way to learn, by the way, if you're new uh, to following Christ, because you've got some people on there who, they're, they're uh, brilliant Christians and who have an, a, a mass of knowledge uh, to glean from. The next area in my life is family, and uh, this is going to be different for everybody, right? I mean, if you're, uh, if you're a husband, maybe, maybe your verse of focus needs to be to love your wife, Ephesians uh, 5, 2, and, or 5.25, or if you're a, uh, a wife, maybe it's Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, if you're a child and we're all children, maybe it's uh, Exodus 20, where God is telling us to honor our father and mother, uh, but maybe you struggle with that because you're father or mother or both, they're not honorable, but God is still calling us to find ways to honor them, and so maybe we need to figure out how that is going to work. Um, <clears throat> this is the one uh, that I have, and so it's Psalm 78. says, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So... Uh, I'm a father, I have three kids, and I have uh, you know, some, some goals, some habits that I, I want to do with my wife. That's a primary relationship, obviously. Um, but when it comes to parenting, one of the things I've realized is that I'm not just parenting my children. I'm parenting their children as well. And I'm parenting their children's children as well. And so, uh, there is a massive amount of weight on how I parent, on the things that I say, the way that I approach life, the way that I model, the decisions I make as to whether or not they can do this or that. Those things have dramatic impact, not just on them, but for generations and generations to come. So if you thought parenting was difficult, <laughs> it's more difficult than you thought. If you thought it was weighty, it's far more weighty than you can imagine. So it's going to require focus and effort and diligence and passion to do it right. Uh, physically, right? 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 18 through 20, talk about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's in the context of sexual sin, so that might be something to put under the physical area in your life. 
But consider that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to have your body be a place of worship, a thing that honors Christ? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, right? Paul talks about beating his body, disciplining himself as a, you know, like a, a, a professional athlete, like being highly disciplined physically so that after he preached to others, he himself would not be disqualified for the prize. Because our physical disciplines affect our spiritual life. And so what habit do we need to take? You know, is it sleeping? Is it drinking water? Is it, you know, whatever. You can get online and find some good healthy habits. Uh, I have a list of five or six I think my most difficult one to try to achieve this year is to get to 15 pull-ups. Scott, did you hear that? I'm trying to get to 15 pull-ups. So I think my max ever has been 14. So I need, I need to get to 15. Uh, if I can get there, maybe we'll get a pull-up bar out here. I'll show you guys. 15 pull-ups. Um, but figure out what it is, what habit it is in your life that needs to happen so that your physical life is like the Grand Canyon, right? Because we can't have an impact. Uh, I, uh, I don't know, kind of had a chuckle. I was playing basketball with my brother-in-law uh, over the Christmas break. And uh, he, we were playing three-on-three half-court basketball, and it took him about five minutes before he was so winded he had to, like, leave the game. And uh, he's several years younger than me, so I, was, I always enjoy that when younger people can't keep up. And uh, I, I was just reminded, like, hey, you know, discipline makes a, a big difference, right? It enables us to perform. It enables us to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. And so figure out what we need to do in the area of physical discipline. Um, my, then the next area is my calling or my career. Um, I, so these are the, the passages that I have written down. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So just you know, thinking about in my career, in, in my, my professional life, in my calling, the things I feel like God is calling me to do professionally in the world, what does it mean to commit my ways to the Lord? What does it mean to be the, the very best for the sake of Christ in what I'm doing now? What does it mean for me to honor Christ in my career? Um, Joshua 1, 8 and 9 Right? God is calling Joshua to be strong and courageous and take the land. As Christians, we are called to that, to take the land. Right? We're, we're not called to, to sit in the back room and hide from success. We're called to go and get it. We're called to be diligent, to make every effort to be superstars in the world. Right? And you're thinking, well, I'm not a superstar. Well, guess what? A few daily habits, a few changes to your daily program, and you will be a superstar. Right? That's how the Grand Canyon got formed. If you looked at the Colorado River, you were not, you're not thinking, oh, wow, this could easily create the Grand Canyon. 
Then you're thinking, oh, that's sort of like a, you know, average, below, a little bit below average river. I mean, you might expect something like the Mississippi River, but not the Colorado. Uh, sorry, if you like the Colorado River, I'm kind of dogging on it a little bit. I apologize. I'm sh- it's very nice, a very nice river. Uh, financially, First uh, John uh, chapter 2, this is... You know, I mean, we're, we're, we all deal with this, right? So it says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for a physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. That's my big area of struggle right there. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what? pleases God, will live forever. Um, I really struggle with that, that uh, you know, things we see thing. I'm, I'm very visual. And, uh, you know, if I want something, I can, I can visualize it very, very well. And, and, and that's a, a good thing. But on the, on the other side of that, sometimes I can be, I can be drawn in by visual images. So I'll give you an example. Uh, does anybody know what a, a uh, ferro rod is? Okay. A ferro rod is a fire starter. It's this stick made out of ferriconium. And then you can use your knife and you can create sparks. It's like a thousand times cooler than using a match or a lighter to start a fire. I mean, once you've done it, you don't... You want matches and lighters to just be abolished because these things are really, really incredible and you, you've, you feel very, uh, very primal when you're doing it. So it's a really good thing. Well, I have one of these ferro rods, but there's a, a manufacturer, Uberleben, and they make ferro rods. And their ferro rods, at least in the email you know, pictures that I get of their ferro rods, they look a lot cooler than the one that I have. And so, even though, I, you know, it's in my junk mail and I'm trying to filter all that stuff out, I'm, I'm still, every once in a while, seeing this image and every once in a while I'll click, like, oh man, that's so cool looking. And sometimes I notice, I'll just spend time on their site, like looking at different ferro rods, different sizes and different levels of spark. Now you guys know what I do in my spare time. But, and I'm trying to come up with the most ridiculous thing to kind of drive this point home. This is, I know I'm not totally unlike you. I realize I'm a little bit strange, but I'm not totally unlike you. we're, We're attracted to things visually, right? Things our eyes get focused on. I mean, don't tell me you can go into a store and like not see the products, right? Don't tell me we're, we're not affected by the marketing that is out there. So this verse is really, really important for me to be reminded that all of this is fading away. It's all fading away. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, this is where Jesus tells us that our, our, our treasure is where our heart is. And uh, 
If you were ever looking for a litmus test of where your life is at, what really matters to you, what you're really focused on, just look at your budget. Look at the way you spend your money. And that will quickly identify what is most important to you in your life. So what habit do you need to implement into your life to help you establish the right kind of priorities, the kind of priorities that would honor God? Some of you think maybe I have a hidden agenda to get everybody to tithe in the church. And so I'm bringing this up now. Well, let me just be clear. It's not a hidden agenda. It's a very wide open agenda. This is something that God calls us to do. And one of the things we believe as Christians is that God calls us into the best way to live. Ooh. So maybe we need to begin tithing Maybe 10% sounds like a horrible, super high, outrageous number. What about 1% or half a percent or something just to get into the rhythm, just to try to find maybe the path of least resistance in that area? Um, no amens on that, huh? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my salary, by the way, is not affected by whether or not you tithe more. So this is not an appeal so that I can make more money. Um, it, in my financial goals, I have some earning goals. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I own a construction, or part, I'm part owner of a construction company, and I can go do side jobs and get extra money. So I'm not saying this for your money. I'm saying this for your sake. Um, social life, Right? This is one of the areas of life, our social life. Hebrews 10, uh, I also have a giving goal. And I think that's important to have a focus on what you want to give. Not just in terms of money, maybe, as well. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Does that define your social life? God is asking for your social life to be defined in this way. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Uh, so how do you want to be around people? How do you want your, react, your interactions with the people around you to go? How can you create the Grand Canyon long-term by the way in which you encourage other people to do good works, the way that you inspire them? Romans chapter 12, I would recommend to you when it comes to social life. This is a whole slate of things that we need to be um, diligent about in the Christian life as we interact with other Christians and, and with other people in the world. Ephesians 2, verse 10, there's another verse that is appropriate here, right? It says, for we are God's uh, workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for, for you to do, for us to do. Did you know that you are God's gift to mankind? That sounds a little bit egotistical, doesn't it? But you are God's gift to, to mankind. You're God's gift to humanity. God created you 
so that you could bring joy and love and peace and mercy to the people around you. God created you so that you could reflect his glory to other people. God created you so that the people around you would celebrate God. You are God's gift to humanity. So claim that. Be that. Be a gift to the people around you. The last area is just personal, right? So you kind of have these other areas in life. And the last one is just personal. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a little bit scary. I'll, I'll share one of my sort of less personal, personal goals with you just to give you an idea of what this is. But um, we're going to try to build a shop with a mother-in-law uh, apartment at our, on our property at our house and get some uh, Airbnb income off of that eventually. And uh, the real motivation for all of that is because I want a shop. I want a big garage that I can work on stuff in. And that's just totally personal. I, it's, I'm, I don't know yet if there's any way in which this is going to advance the gospel or be of value to anybody else or whatever. This is just a personal thing. And so, you know, this is, this is okay to do. And it could be that God might even want you to do some just purely personal things. Uh, I'm going to read a, a couple of uh, passages of Scripture here. John chapter 1, and starting in verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets were, uh, wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. That's pretty cool, right? Could you imagine Jesus saying that about you? Nathaniel's probably the most underrated disciple. Um, Nathaniel's response is this, how do you know about me? Jesus has just said something to Nathaniel that has, you know, turned Nathaniel's light on like, whoa, how does he know about me? How does he know that I am so deeply concerned about integrity and righteousness. How does he know that about me? Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. That's kind of a weird interaction. Apparently, Nathanael had been having some time alone with God and Jesus, you know, a, a private, an incredibly personal moment. And Jesus is telling Nathaniel, I was there. You know, when you were with God, I was there because I'm God. And Nathaniel gets it, starts to get it. Whoa. So the reason I'm reading this to you is to remind you that God is not just a big picture God. Yes, he's got all of that figured out, but he is a very small picture God as well. 
God is highly concerned about you. He is highly concerned about your day. He is concerned about your next minute, how it goes. He's concerned about you right now. He is deeply concerned about you. Psalm 139 begins, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. During the, uh, you can't do this right now, but during the summertime, uh, I love hiking, and I love getting out high, as high as I can in the mountains, and uh, one of the things I love is walking up a drainage, you know, you got two you know, mountainsides, and then the, all the water is draining down, and it's creating like a creek going up the middle, and uh, you know, that comes out to a bigger creek at the, at the bottom, a bigger drainage. And I just love that scene. If I'm ever going to have my, you know, my ashes thrown out somewhere, it'll be some kind of scene like that. But um, one of the things that so impresses me after I've kind of taken in the incredible grandeur is the rocks, um, the rocks on the stream bed. And I just spend a lot of time looking at the different rocks. And you might, you know, I, you, already, you already think I'm strange, so... This doesn't, this doesn't diminish me at all, right? Uh, I'm very strange, but I just love looking at the rocks. One of the things I've realized is that I've never seen two rocks that are exactly the same. And I challenge you to find two rocks that are exactly the same. There's all this different you know, shape variation, all this different color variation. Uh, I can just, uh, I've gotten to a weird place where I can take one rock and I can just, I can look at it for like an hour. I carry it with me and just keep looking at it. That's so cool, this rock. And what I've realized is that God has created all of these rocks to be totally unique, just to remind me and you that we are totally unique, that he has a very specific, eternal purpose for each one of us. He hasn't messed anything up. Yes, we might fit into this massive story, this massive landscape, but God cares about each individual rock. If he cares about each individual rock, think about how much he cares about you and I. Right? Jesus says that he has the hairs of our head numbered. I mean, think about that. That's an incredible, incredible level of care and concern. Later on in this psalm, by the way, if you have any doubts about God's like, concern or care for you individually, Psalm 39, or Psalm 139. Right, it said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. Right? Later on, it says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Right? God has this plan for us. God doesn't make, you know, <laughs> He doesn't just 
make things for general use when it comes to human beings, right? He, he has a personal interest in our lives. He cares deeply about us understanding how we have been uniquely made and shaped. He cares that we find how we've been shaped to know what he has planted in for us, or planted in us. He cares deeply about that. And so I encourage you to dive deep into who God has made you to be, to dive deep into how he has shaped you. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would help us have some sense of our uniqueness in you. That you would, Lord, refine our hearts. Help us to know how to live in all these different areas. Lord, that we would seek you with all of our hearts, that we would focus on you and what you have for us, that we would trust fully in your promises to redeem us, to rescue us, and to set us on that solid rock. Father, we know that you have a Grand Canyon future for us. We ask that you would help us just daily try to do the right things. Father, we trust you with our lives. We trust you fully. We know that you know us, and we know that you are for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and we will see you next week.